chomp, chomp, chomp. That's the sound Nathan makes when he eats on microphone, but it's also a very beloved sound when another perfectly round, yellow-hued person does it. <laughs> That's I'm right. yellow-hued. We're I'm talking, round. We're talking Pac-Man. <laughs> Because we're talking about the Pack Preview Party, 1982 ABC American Broadcast Company's preview of the Saturday morning lineup. That's right. It's another Saturday morning preview special slogging through multiple shows. So strap on your diapies and don't go nowhere because we're talking <laughs> pack preview party here on Network Special, the only podcast you need to tune into if you want to hear and only if you want to hear about the golden age of appointment-based television. You put a little memo in your notebook and say, watch the pack preview party. But now, thanks to our modern internet Sloth reigns, and you can watch this whenever you want, as do we. My name is Zach Ryan, one of the co-hosts of this show, and I'm here with who? Nathan. And in the booth, who is my other favorite little pill muncher? Jeremy Demery. That's right. I forgot to say that I am a ghost, and I wear a little hat, just like one of the (laughs) Pac-Man ghosts. You're you're saying so... What we what you would have to do back in the day if you wanted to watch something coming up, my I don't know did you did you guys have TV Guide? Oh, you better believe it. We had a subscription to TV Guide, and I would break out the old highlighter. I'd take it you, from uh, my dad's Bible, and I would use it for the TV Guide to what I wanted to watch. You, my dad, both he um, he would. Okay, so <laughs> whenever my dad reads, he he reads out loud. Oh. And he reads in a very low, t- very low Whew. robotic tone, and he reads, um, you know, cheers, um, you know, this week's episode of the Cosby Show, oh. cheers, oh. last, oh you know, like he reads, and here, and and here's what's great, is when he got to the listings, he read those two, ten thirty Tuesday. <laughs> this was anytime he read anything, it was out loud. It's. I just. I specifically remember him reading the TV guide out loud to himself. Low and, may, and maybe. And, and look, I'm not. Maybe he. Maybe he needed this um, as a way to help him uh, stay focused. You know, sure. maybe that's just a, what, his reading technique. And that. And I. 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 That is whatever people need to do to read more. I should. Pro- I need this. But. <laughs> Alf. Seven. But, p.m. Yeah. Alf. Seven yeah. p.m. Alf. That's what it seven was like. p.m. <laughs> and he would. And he would highlight those. And one time, my mom uh, got got the TV guide, and she went in and she got the highlighter out, and she just highlighted a bunch of fake stuff that he wouldn't want to watch as a joke. Uh huh. And he did not think of it as a joke. <laughs> he was very, very upset. <laughs> and uh, that was a moment in time in my childhood that I will never forget. Now, whenever he would highlight that, does that mean that like? that would designate the way that the TV was being tuned for the rest of the evening. Like he was, his eyes were darting back and forth between the TV guide and the TV. Make sure you're on schedule. That's a great question. I don't know. I mean, like at one point, obviously he would set up the VCR to tape things. Yeah. Um, And his twin brother, my uncle would, he had two VCRs going. And so he would tape um, 
one upstairs and then one downstairs too. He had both of those going so he could record multiple shows. Wow. And that was, uh, um, and now D and then DVR came and now, oh boy, that changed the game for those boys. <laughs> Wait, did your dad's brother live with you? No, he had his own house with VCRs. <laughs> oh, okay. You're just talking about how they would both, uh, plan out their TV week. Yeah, I don't know if, if he did the highlighter thing, um, but my dad definitely did. And I don't know how much he stuck to that. I'm assuming he would come home and open up the TV guide, which is funny. I don't know why you would need to do the highlighting if you were just going to open up the TV guide and look at the TV guide every time before you sat down. Or if it's just a way of of memory. Like, you know, if I highlight this, I can just quickly... I, I assume around. he was just like as soon as the credits to ALF 7 p.m. would start rolling, his eyes would shoot down to see, oh, Murder, She Wrote, 7.30 p.m., and then his hand would jut out <laughs> to the remote. And, you know, I'm forever grateful to the um, father to Father Time for correctly putting reality TV shows in my late in the timeline of me not being at home with my dad yeah. because my dad solely basically only watches that stuff now and reality competitions specifically. And so as a kid, thankfully I was able to watch normal TV that was actually written and constructed by intelligent people. And, uh, and that, that stuff came way late. I'm very thankful to father time for that. <laughs> Now, in descending order, who are your favorite fathers? Father Time, Father C, Father, father C, Christmas, yes. Literal mm-hmm. Father. Um, Take your time. That's a great question. Um, yep, thank you. I can just spend the rest of the time thinking about it, um, and we can wait. Does that mean that time is number one, since you can spend the rest of time? <laughs> yeah. Am I putting time at one? No, I always put Papa Sheer at the top of the list. Okay, you know literal dad is first. Okay, Father Christmas. Father, well, you forgot the second. My second favorite father, Father Guido Guido Sarducci. He's second. <laughs> yeah, he's Guido. number two. Okay, now back to my original question: Christmas. Um, don't well I. <laughs> I, again, I have to add a third to this list. A uh, bad grandpa, who is also a father. The character, the famous character to, from Johnny it, Knoxville. It has to have the word father in it. <laughs> well, then you know, I only have two. It's Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> oh and wow! Father, my dad. Okay, so Nathan's two favorite fathers: literal father, Father Guido Sarducci, Father mm-hmm. Christmas, Father C. Uh, can both go to hell, correct? They can, yeah, they can go back go down through. to the sea. Go back down to the, the, the Atlantis. All right, all right. Um, I read TV Guide every article. I will say it really. My parents should have just subscribed me to Variety at a very young age because I would pour <laughs> through TV Guide articles and. Entertainment Weekly articles just delving into like figuring out how the world of entertainment was shaping up. If they had, if they had, <laughs> you could have the Hollywood Variety, Reporter. Yeah, oh, 
I probably would have like a successful career if I hadn't been such a dumb dumb about how things got made. <laughs> I loved Cheers and Jeers. Jeremy, were you too young for uh, like TV Guide era? No, but we didn't really have it around the house. Mm, too secular? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, it, well, sometimes the, the soap recaps would get a little PG, if you know what I mean. Ooh. I remember there was one episode, one episode, one issue of TV Guide, and it said on the cover, are soaps too sexy? And there was a big buxom woman on the cover of it, and it made our household very uncomfortable. We would turn it over. <laughs> so. And then when the be- the, ch- the parents went to bed, ooh, brother, Zachariah, the would go flashlight down, downstairs, <laughs> tiptoe down downstairs, and, and and try to find where's the, where'd they put that TV guide? <laughs> where'd they put that upside down TV guide? Ooh, let's just say the highlighter wasn't the only thing getting broken out that night. <laughs> Mama Mia, my favorite mama. You, 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 you get up, the, your mom would see you in the shower. Why is your, why is it so yellow down there? Wait, are you, are you saying I was like r- frantically rubbing the TV guide against myself so hard that the highlighter was coming off on me? And you also had like a, a, the listings. Like like you could do with a newspaper and putty. Wait, why does it say cheers and jeers backwards on your stomach? That's also so crazy that we're the last generation to really deal with newsprint because TV Guide was, you know, had your glossy front and then it was all newsprint inside, mm-hmm. which is why I have one yeah. issue of TV Guide and it's got that nice yeller complexion. Oh, yeah. Like nice and books. yeller. I, uh, just like the... Face of our leading man tonight, Mr. Pac-Man. Well, I guess we should start talking about this. This is a 1982 Saturday morning preview hosted by America's teenager, Dick Clark, on the set of American Bandstand, I guess after they were done filming all the teens. Although there's some teens here. This is Dick Clark with a huge range of children. It seems to be... From four years old to 18 years old, everyone is dancing on the set, and it's very, very odd. And I would just like to point out that um, we're calling him a chomper because Dick Clark, throughout this entire thing, always says that TV's the nation's number one chomper. And I kind of feel like if the if this had come out later, we not, might might not be saying the same thing because I think you and I both know who the nation's number one chomper is, and that's oh, tell me. Cookie Cookie Chomper the Third from the Dead Dog from the Alvin and Chipmunk Show. Dead Cat. Oh, Dead Cookie Cat. Cookie Chomper right. the Third was the Alvin and the Chipmunks' adorable kitten that quickly <laughs> gets run over by a car. <laughs> During the episode. So then we get to see the chipmunks have PTSD and sob and sob over the death of their pet. And th- this is a re- this is a callback to one of our earlier, I think our first episode, right? I think our first episode, yeah. Yeah. This is a real so break because- Take most a deep of the Saturday, dive. Most of the Saturday morning previews, we have like seven, eight, 
12 shows to review and talk about. And on this one, it's only five. I felt like I was getting a real vacation day with this one. Well, also on the other ones, like I felt like there was so much variety in what you're watching. This one's like one big cartoon block of the exact same cartoon just all the way through. Just tell you why, because every single one of these is made by Hanna-Barbera. And they all look the same. <laughs> and they all have Dead Eyes character. Frank Welker in them. Frank Welker is all over this thing like a rash. I mean, I love Frank Welker. It, don't get me wrong. But. And also, like, what sucks about all of these, except for, um, you know, side characters or Pac-Man, is every freaking person's like a celebrity that they're drawing. And so all of the cartoon all of the character designs are just so boring. They're like just recreations of the, you know, just line, line, tiny line recreations of the celebrities. And then if you see like a, like in the Mork and Mindy one, he has like a space dog. That's a cool character design. It's a cool, or you watch Pac-Man, all the characters look cool. And, but then like, then you get to Laverne and Shirley and it's like, uh, God, this is so boring. Well, I saw in an article about the artists, they would just go in and literally have tracing paper and trace the, the photograph of the real person, and that's how Ugh. they would make the cartoon character. It is that's amazing, how though, I would do it. Yeah, right. That's how I would do it. It is amazing, though. I think every single celebrity cartoon character is voiced by the real celebrity. I'm guessing that was contractual. Uh, but that doesn't yeah. happen now. The last thing that happened like that, oh, I think, sadly. was like Wish Kid with Macaulay Culkin. I think Jack Black plays the panda in the show. In Kung the in the regular like TV series, you mean? Yeah, and I think I think that it, I think I think maybe like I think maybe Jay Baruchel, the guy from Excuse me, all of. <laughs> The, what the guy from who's like who's singing all of the like Seth like a lot of the Seth Rogen things? He's the How to Train Your Dragons. I think he does the animated series too. There, there, there it is happening more and more these days yeah. than it was for a long time. I, I don't know if I heard the name of the person you're talking about. Jay Baruchel is that his name? Oh, um, I, I don't know. Um, he was in um, yeah Jay Baruchel. I don't know how you pronounce it, um, but he was in um, that show from Simon rich uh modern or man man meets woman or something like single single <laughs> i can't remember any oh details boy. about this guy <laughs> if you saw him you'd go oh okay you, you, oh okay yeah that's him so yeah, that look him up like and tell me to shut up <laughs> <laughs> so we're an american bandstand but it's all kids and some teenagers it, what makes it even more extreme is there are two teenagers who have full mustaches Full, big, <laughs> disguise kit-looking mustaches. So it looks very strange with them awkwardly dancing alongside a five-year-old. Uh, Dick Clark comes out. He greets everyone. He promptly uh, yells at a uh, five-year-old black child to be quiet. Um, <laughs> I thought he do- he does get real stern. He sets him up too. He's like, "Hi, what's your name?" <laughs> or whatever. And he goes, "Oh, and, you, you see yourself on TV? Okay, when when I'm talking, you need to not talk. <laughs> it's all he in. must. There must have been some behind the scenes going on that we didn't see. He was just like, "I got to prepare this kid." 
or something. Well, especially because the kids aren't miked, so I'm taking their word for it that this kid was talking while he was talking. This is a great... I do love the cutaways from the cartoons in this because... All of these kids are real kids. These are not actor kids. They are looking all over the place. They're talking to each other while Dick Clark is talking. He asks them a question. They're not ready. They're just kind of like looking around the room or they say something weird. I love it. And and they're and at at some point, like you can hear them talking while he's talking, and he he definitely gives them the look. Like he's like, <laughs> you you do have to describe what you're doing as we're not it's, yet a it's Patreon a kind video. Of, no, I just want the listeners to guess. <laughs> <laughs> but he he doesn't give them like an angry look, but he definitely does do that thing that you look at someone, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in a in a way that they know you are looking deep down into their soul. Yep. To to discipline them. <laughs> Uh, he, he has one kid who he keeps referring to, and this must be the child of a producer or one of Dick Clark's extended family members, Austin, this kid. Oh, yeah. Do I have his name right? There's this little kid who is dressed like the world's biggest little dork. He has little (laughs) owl eyeglasses on and a bow tie and a little sweater vest. He looks like he is about four. But he is front and center for everything. And he's not like a co-host. No, he's also a super fan of the show because I didn't realize this until I watched a later episode or something. I've I've watched something from the actual shows that they're talking about. But they say he's trying to get the kids. Like they're talking about Laverne and Shirley, uh, which is one of the cartoons. And this is the second season. The first season was just Laverne and Shirley. On this season is a special guest who will be in the show throughout the whole thing. And it's the Fonz. And he's trying to get the kids to guess who is going to be the special guest. And so he's saying, who do you think is going to be? And then this nerdy kid you're talking about, he says, Squealy. And I thought, I was like, who is Squeaky? Does he mean Squiggy? That's what I thought he meant, right? I was like, oh, this kid just saying Squiggy. Well, there actually is a character named Squealy who's like the villainous pig or something. Right. Which is, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this dude's a super fan. That is why I think that this is a a nephew of maybe uh, William Hanna or Barbera. Because this kid <laughs> is a little encyclopedia of these cartoons. Uh, we see the previews, of course. Is the first thing we see the Laverne and Shirley? Or is it Morgan um, Mindy? I think it's Laverne and Shirley. Regardless, I don't even think we see Laverne and Shirley. We see Fonz is like the first thing we see, right? Well, it's Le- it is the Fonz on Laverne and Shirley. Okay, because originally the first season of the cartoon was Laverne and Shirley in the army, because there was one episode where Laverne and Shirley were in the army, so they based the entire season of the show around it. Because what child? wouldn't want to see these two characters they love um, in barracks with a sergeant (laughs) pig yelling at them. So (sighs) in the second season, and by the way, both lead actresses had left Laverne and Shirley by this point, even though they voiced the cartoon. Uh, But they, it is now- Wait, so who, wait, okay, so Laverne and Shirley, the TV show, 
Yes. At one point doesn't have Laverne and Shirley in it. No, they just quit the show. But not before they voiced the characters for the second season, which was retitled Laverne and Shirley with the Fonz. <laughs> Did <laughs> And Did they... the Fonz, of course, is joined by, as you said, yes. Mr. Cool, his little dog. <laughs> Okay, so do, do do they continue Laverne and Shirley, the TV show? What do you think? <laughs> I would love it if they did. I would love it. <laughs> Where are they? Where the hell are they? <laughs> well, I just thought maybe they did it with like Lenny and Squiggy for like a season or something. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they just had other things to move on to. Uh, the they call it they keep calling him Fonz. No one calls him Fonzie. It was driving me nuts. It's like, is there a rights issue? You can't call a guy Fonzie on this thing. His name's Arthur. Okay, <laughs> call him Hardy. Come on, it's everyone's favorite super Italian guy, Henry Winkler. <laughs> <laughs> now this now, did, okay yeah go on, go uh, on oh go on. I, I think we're gonna say the same thing which was. This actually has what I think is the best segment we've ever seen yes. on these preview specials, which is they bring out the voice actors to show the kids how the voice actors do their performances. It's a great it's idea. Awesome. Every kid wants to do voices on a cartoon. Just do this for every single one. They bring out Henry Winkler and Frank yes. Welker, who plays Mr. Cool. Frank Welker, mm -hmm. Storyman voiceover actor who is in literally everything. Let's see. He has been in over 860 <laughs> films and television shows. Wow. Um, and the kids go bananas for it. He's doing a funny voice into the microphone. He's a real pro. Henry Winkler, always game to do anything. And he sets him up. He sets Frank up with the, the knockout punch of the Donald Duck impression. That's right. Talk about that at the end. So he's, so, uh, well, you should know that when they're when they're doing this, by the way, they're cutting between the cartoon. So you see clips of the cartoon and then back to them doing it. And it's like this amazing, like, oh, my gosh, that's how they record cartoons kind of thing. And it's just so fun to watch. And so after they finish at the end, the kids are there and, and Henry, you know, this is Frank Welker, you know, and he, he says like, oh, Frank, why don't you do your why don't you show them what it's like, what it sounds like when a, a, a duck is singing happy birthday. What does he say? Happy, happy birthday. something. Yeah, it's happy not happy birthday. It's, it's the happy birthday song, but it's like happy something else. Like there's something like about the people in the audience or something. Mm. And so just say it's happy birthday. And then he's like, and then joined in chorus by 14 other ducks. And uh, Frank nails it. It does sound like 14 other ducks. Yes, he goes from doing the voice of one duck and then suddenly sounds like a chorus of ducks. And it's very upsetting <laughs> to watch this man as though he's possessed by uh, a legion, a demon legion of cartoon ducks. <laughs> Boy, looking at this uh, voice cast for Laverne and Shirley with the Fonz, you got Penny Marshall, you got Cindy Williams, the originals. Then you've got uh, Ron Palillo playing Sergeant Squealy. TV's Horshack okay. from Welcome Back, Cotter. Yep. Yep. And then Kenneth Mars, who plays the uh, the Nazi in The Producers. Okay. As Sergeant Turnbuckle, all-star affair. But guess what? That doesn't mean the cartoon isn't super boring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This was still. I know that everyone – okay, I know that everyone's favorite – 
media is always the one they grew up with usually, you know, like typically like you always like, oh, oh, well, our cartoons were better or our whatever. But they really were, they were more sophisticated. They're still bad. Like 80s cartoons are still bad when you watch them now, but they were still more varied and sophisticated than what these were, which were just like, like 20 minute shows of maybe 10 pieces of dialogue stretched out really slowly and like people like like tons of non sequiturs just random like i don't know three like, frames of animation uh, two backgrounds yes. that would just go on a loop yeah and it's like variety show kind of jokes like uh, 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 like uh, like you're you're trying to save someone's life and you're like quick hand me that thing what's it called uh a birthday cake <laughs> no it's it's for lug nuts uh a baseball bat? <laughs> no, you idiot! The wrench. <laughs> like that's the level of comedy that's happening, Cons- like over and over on repeat for hours and hours on Saturday mornings in the early, the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah, yeah. Most TV cartoon animation gets better every ten years. Now we have like you know. Steven Universe and Gravity Falls, you watch them now, and you're like, oh, holy cow, this is like as good as anything <laughs> else on TV. So, so then, yeah, I guess, so then it's not, so I think it is fair to say that our cartoons are better than the ones before. I mean, you always have your standouts, right? Like, but for every Rocky and Bullwinkle, you're going to have 18 Mork and Mindy's. And camp I, Candies. Camp, oh, camp Candy. <laughs> Uh, when I say Mork and Mindy, I ain't talking the live action. That's right. There's a Mork and Mindy cartoon as well. And Mork is joined by a dog from space named Doing, also voiced by <laughs> Frank Welker, basically doing the same voice as Mr. Cool from the Fonz. Uh, oh, boy. But it's really Manu, Robin Williams. Manu. It's really Pam Dauber. Uh, is it really? Oh, so like... I I I I thought it was Robin Williams because of the credits listing, but it, it sounds like a different Robin Williams than the show version. He seems to be doing a voice version. on top of his Mork voice, doesn't he? Yeah, it feels different. That's it why I was a little like, bit well, maybe sped it up. Him. He's doing a little bit sped up all the time, and I don't know if that's just the cocaine <laughs> that he had to like have on the microphone at all times to get him through or like it. Bad mastering or something? Maybe. I mean, Mindy sounds fine. Yeah. <laughs> he just couldn't keep up with the tape. The tape couldn't keep up with him. <laughs> so they had to like like put it on super speed. <laughs> they had to speed it up to <laughs> time it out to cut out all the Mr. Happy references he was making. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> was that you, Robin Williams? Losing oh, yeah. his breath. <laughs> I've been working I've been working on that for years. Just oh, oh, oh. Marty, it's me, Mark. <laughs> it's <laughs> how's the applause meter, Marty? <laughs> Nanu, Nanu. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of uh, what? Well, well, we're, we're then introduced to the world of Scooby Doo, and we're introduced to that by horrifically large Scooby Doo mascot costume oh. popping up in the audience. <laughs> Okay, hold on a second. I can hold on. Do you like those costumes? Mm. 
I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. Those are amazing costumes, right? Like they're huge. They are scary. And they're huge, nicely and they made. Just, they're just at, bigger than the children. It's just always those, odd to see. Don't oh. you think those costumes <laughs> were the oh, ones that were used at the Hanna Barbera Land and like Cincinnati and yeah, or at Kings probably. Island or, or and the ones at in, Universal? The ones that were in the actual, like the actual Hanna Barbera Land, like in Houston or whatever. Well, I assume that these are the costumes that they would film actors performing in, and then they would get their tracing paper back out, and they would draw the cartoon of Scooby-Doo over them. So apparently that's how they do all their cartoons at Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, uh, that was interesting, because I thought, at first he says, you know, we're going to bring out Scooby-Doo. He says, everyone give a round of applause, and then no one shows up. And I'm like, oh, he's going to do a thing. Like, oh, he's like, he must be at his the ghost mansion or something i don't know but then he, when they came out in those massive costumes i was like oh okay let's do this uh i know people complain about scrappy do i having watched this episode with scrappy do i don't know if people are responding to not liking the character i think they're responding to the fact that this era of scooby doo is awful because they get rid of the entire gang other than shaggy they don't have them investigating paranormal mysteries they're just investigating a burglary and the backgrounds look terrible like you know how normally like scooby-doo has cool looking background art it's like really stylized and Mm -hmm. 70s 60s 70s looking and this is just like flat nothing artwork but you know i always whenever scrappy doo would Whenever I would see that he was going to be on, I I loved that way more than I liked the old cartoons. Um, But I'm also responding to the later years of Scrappy-Doo where they are – it's all paranormal and it's like a little bit scary too. Like he does – there's one show where it's like Scrappy-Doo and Scooby-Doo and the 13 ghosts of something and every episode is like one of the ghosts or something. I forget what it's called. Yeah, but that's not – this is like the Scooby-Doo mysteries. They were a detective agency. Yeah. Yeah, this is when when I I was really bummed when it was that it when I was like, oh, this isn't the same thing, (laughs) and they're just delivering packages. Was that a quote? Oh, oh, this (laughs) isn't the same thing. Oh, Brian. (laughs) So, can we talk about the gold monkey? (laughs) Okay, the gold monkey. This is a commercial. This is a commercial. We both lost uh, our minds over. (laughs) Remember now. I, as I always say, and will always say in the future, normally we don't talk about the commercials, but the only way to watch this Unless I'm here. Is, through, is, through, is through YouTube. I'm the bad boy of the podcast. <laughs> and you, and you, will, you will see the commercials, so carry on. <laughs> <laughs> this was a show that did not take off. There is one season of it called Tales of the Gold Monkey. It came out the year after Raiders of the Lost Ark. And boy, yes. can you tell, because this looks like a old-timey comic strip came to life about this fighter pilot who's flying through the jungle and punching <laughs> monkeys and rescuing idols. Uh, Jack something. Uh, Jack Cutter. <laughs> Tales of the Gold Monkey. Jake's best oh, friend is his mechanic, Corky, a good-hearted alcoholic with a hazy memory from heavy drinking. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I immediately went online to see if I could find this. And is it out there? Um, I did not see it through the quick my quick searches. I'm gonna try and find I don't, it for good. I, but I think it did go on DVD. I think it is on DVD. Okay, it is. Okay. Uh, in in 2010, it was released on DVD, and it comes with a 36 minute making of documentary with Jake Cutter. Jake Cutter. Jake Cutter. There is a two part. The f- the pilot is part one and two. We have to investigate this and see if it was a. Made for TV movie released first. That would be great. That would okay. I just got very comfortable. Mm. <laughs> Were there any other commercials in that segment in the earlier segments that you? This or, is all like mom products. Standard I was so fare, bummed yeah. out. It's all like detergents and shampoos. Uh, this was, I guess, the lead into the Emmys. So maybe they were assuming that. Moms would be watching this with their kids. Otherwise, why are you having all these mom commercials during this kids movie? All right, one it, uh, jingle, one jingle though, one really good jingle that I always remember. Yeah, that will maybe go on our next commercial uh, s- special episode. Um, raise your hand, raise your hand if you're sure. Yeah, a classic. Yeah, it was about how you could put your arm in the air if you had short deodorant. And at the end, it kind of inferred that even the Statue of Liberty uses their deodorant because it would show the mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty at the end. They do. And they have like a hel- they have like two helicopters holding a big, massive stick of deodorant that like kind of swings into the arm and rubs down. And- right. First, a seagull flies by her armpit and it falls out of the sky. And then you see the president going, got that statue some shore. <laughs> and then and, and, and sadly, all the people who are touring New York and they're at on the island trying to get on stairs are just being caked in in deodorant flakes as they fall. Yeah, they're all vomiting into the ocean because of the smell. <laughs> Which and island? then the indignity of having shore flakes on them. You know, there is an ad for a football game, and at one point they talk about Terry Bradshaw. And I was going, where? And then I remembered, oh, right, he's inside one of those football helmets. I'm not used to thinking about (laughs) Terry Bradshaw as a player. I'm used to thinking about him as a commentator and an actor in every sports movie ever made. Yes, and thank God, too. (laughs) Yeah, thank God. Uh, Oh, we get a double dose of comedy because we get to meet... Willie, Tyler, and Lester next. Okay. 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 Now I'm waiting. Willie, I think this is the, like I, I've always, I've known that name. I've always known the, the, the actor and the puppet, the, the, um, ventra, the, the dummy that he plays with. But this is the first time that I've ever realized that it is not a three man group, that it is not Willie, Tyler Tyler, and and Lester. Lester. Yeah. (laughs) It's Willie Tyler yeah. and Lester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Willie Tyler, who looks like he's wearing some sort of like weird space uniform. He's in a very odd <laughs> coat that's all buttoned in every direction. Uh, Lester looks fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. He's wearing his, he's wearing that amazing um, hat that, what would, would you call that it's hat? Like a newsy cap. Yeah, kind of like um 
yeah, news cap. That is true. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's kind of like, well, or are you going to call it a, or something? Going to call it a Fat Albert cap? Yeah, I was going to call it like something like that. <laughs> sure. <you know? laughs> oh, if you're Willie Tyler and Lester saying, then they bring out a basket full of live puppies, and all the kids <sighs> like kind of like almost knock over the cameramen to get a look at the puppies who are coming out of the the basket. Yeah, there's 10,000 kids and two puppies to go around. <laughs> so they, of course, start pulling them in every direction. The camera cuts away. It's thank a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's because he's going to talk about, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't have this pulled up. What's the name of this cartoon? Petey the Pokey Puppy or something? Oh, my <laughs> What's the name gosh. of this puppy cartoon? <laughs> this that I- is so bad. Yeah, I don't even remember. Like, I, to- I totally tuned out during that. Stupid dogs. <laughs> Boy, we really have a lot of disdain for this special. <laughs> except when we, The cartoons are bad. I'm sorry. These these stink on ice. I can't They're wait so to bad. pick another one. Uh, but I think we are coming to the top of the turd heap in terms of the uh, uh, amount of turd, because the worst one is yet to come. The Little Rascals cartoon. Where? I think the show was called Puppy. I don't think it was called Puppy. Because I'm looking at a thing. It says Pac-Man, yeah. The Little Rascals, Puppy, and Mork and Mindy. I don't think it was called Puppy. I'm, look- okay. I'm, I'm trying to look it up. Ta- so, talk about the Little Rascals cartoon, please. While I- so the little, Pete, the, little Pete little the Pup, by the way. What's it called? Pete, Pete the, the Pup. pup. Okay. So Little Rascals. I, I, I do think... That this is better than Laverne and Shirley and Mark and Mindy and Fonzie. Okay. But it is so weird and so, um, I'm not very clear about the messaging behind this episode that we watch. Uh-huh. And I, I wonder if, it, if, if they don't actually show the full episode that they cut away because it's weird. So in the episode, um, what is the young girl's name? Darla. Darla. Okay, so so all the boys, they create this group called He Man She Hater Club. Yes, yeah, it's, it's from the classic and, series. They have the He Man Woman Haters Club. All the boys yes. in their treehouse. Yes, and so Darla's trying to go hang out with them. They're like, no, because you're a girl. And so then this hot girl shows up next door, and they're all like, oh, come join our club. Yeah. And then they break out, they break out more than a highlighter, if you know what I mean, when they see this girl. (laughs) (laughs) And Darla gets jealous, um, and also they're mean to her. So, so then there's this beauty contest. All the guys are like, Hey, to the hot girl, you should join. And so Darla decides she's going to join so that she can beat her and win. And the girl's like, Oh, you, you're, you'll never win this thing. So then they get there and they realize that Darla has an amazing talent. She can sing really well. And so the boys set out to sabotage her in every way. And they freaking demolish this girl. It's so <laughs> strange because usually the the message of these shows is like the typical beauty queen shows up. But she's a terrible person and everyone realizes it's what's inside that counts. No. These boys <laughs> all want to bone this little like supermodel girl. And so they destroy their friend's chances and they steal her dress and give her a potato sack. (laughs) 
she starts to sing and Alfalfa gets on a microphone behind stage and starts screaming over her to make people think that she's a terrible voice. Don't think I'm garbage on the judges or something. No, they throw, uh, they throw a, like a rope comes down or whatever. And she starts swinging on the rope and it, it tears down the entire set on stage and yeah, some kind of food or something gets thrown in the result of that and it goes all over the judges and she loses. And then um, we cut to uh, – or sh- we just cut to she is now part of the – she is the queen of the women haters club. And they say the other girl was really mean and now you're our friend. And we don't see a little scene which I'm assuming we're missing, which is the girl – treating them badly, the hot girl treating them badly. Maybe, or this was the first uh, Proud Boys piece of propaganda <laughs> that was put out meant to indoctrinate everyone. Uh, this cartoon is truly terrible. You'll be happy to know, though, that all of the living little rascals successfully sued Hanna-Barbera yes. for using their likenesses without their permission. Um, it was settled out of court, and then they just kept making the cartoon, I guess. I guess that did it for them. And very, very ha- happily, uh, uh, very nice that they made Buck the Buckwheat character um, be like a cool inventor who's really smart. Yes. Um, yes. Still annoyed that we are still calling him Buckwheat, though. <laughs> like, can't we call him Bucky or something? Like, just get away from Buckwheat. Is, but uh, you tell me, is buckwheat in itself a derogatory okay, thing so to say because it's it, like a brown grain? As far as I know, it is not a racial, um, like you wouldn't like in daily life, like before then. I don't think people called black people buckwheat. You know what I mean? I don't right. think that that is, but it is definitely a a racist name for this character that he couldn't have a name like Tommy. Or Billy or something. He had to have the name Buckwheat. I, I will no because there was also Froggy. There was yeah, but Froggy Spanky. to me. But okay, but those characters Alfalfa. That is not a name. That is not a name well, for a child. I guess Alf. <laughs> that is totally racist towards white people. <laughs> I guess Alfalfa and Buckwheat. I guess those are kind of. I don't know. I just I feel that way. Maybe I, I guess I'm just viewing it through what it sounds like now. So maybe you're right, though. Everyone, everyone didn't have a real name. Everyone had, except Darla. Everyone had yeah. a, a nickname. So maybe that's it. It just still seems buckwheat. Just for some reason, it seems racist. But maybe that's just the character, or maybe I, that's just putting him. Yeah, I mean, can you can use it that way if you want. I don't think intrinsically yeah. the name buckwheat is derogatory. That's actually a great question, a trivia question. Or Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, why don't you uh, we ha- call in, call in and ask us, or tell us. Don't ask. Uh, so let's see. Is buckwheat a derogatory term? Um, it just does. It just seems like you could um, use it as an insult, I guess. Or you I could. think people are saying. I think it may be currently. I w- okay, let's, it is. Let's, it is now it. currently. Let's yeah. settle it this way. You would <laughs> not, as a white person, nickname 
your black friend buckwheat. <laughs> Definitely, that would be uh, gross. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think it's actually now a racist term if you're calling a black person that, as opposed to oh, maybe that yeah, it wasn't. Don't right. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Then it definitely okay. is. I just, I wrote that down in my memory. That <laughs> I read every night before I go Don't to bed. Don't call Mike Buckwheat anymore. Okay. Uh, boy, so we have been counting down the shows to the the New Year's Eve for this show. And by this show, I mean the, the pack preview party. They cannot psych this audience enough up for the fact that the Pac-Man cartoon is about to be previewed. Apparently, this cartoon had so many advertisers wanting to advertise, they cut down to the length of the show and had double the amount of commercials during its first season. (laughs) Everyone wanted to be on the Pac-Man train. Um, Is this the first season of Pac-Man? It's the first season, yes. Now, did you watch Pac-Man, the cartoon, when it was, um, or would you have been too young? I would have been too young. Yeah. Because I I I definitely watched this. Mm -hmm. I definitely watched Pac-Man and loved it, but I would have only been three. Mm -hmm. So how many seasons did it run? So it's still running today. It's the longest running series. (laughs) It's beat 60 minutes. No, it ran for two seasons. Two Simpsons seasons. Is just one episode behind Simpsons. <laughs> That's right. Two seasons and a Halloween special and a Christmas special. It says that it only ran till 1983. Oh, I would have been. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not true. Apology I would have been accepted. four. I would have been four and five. I would have been five. Mm. 80, I was born in 78. So, so I would have been four for opening and then five. So probably watched it in 83. Because okay. I definitely freaking loved this show. Mm-hmm. But can we talk about the villain in this? No. I mean, the ghosts are obviously the villain. Mm-hmm. But who is in charge of the ghosts? You tell me. Um, let me see what his name is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. The character, his name is um, Mesmeron. <laughs> okay. okay. They work for Mesmeron, whose sole mission is to locate and control the source of power pellets which serve at the primary food and, and power source for the city. Okay. Hmm. He is a, a character who wears, I don't know, half of a Darth Vader mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you never see his mouth. You only see like a metal gear grid in front of that his face on animation. Sure. And I don't know why they needed him for this. Why couldn't the ghosts just be their own crew? Uh, imagine being a writer and you're handed the the task to write a Pac-Man show that is based on a one-screen video game that is you in a maze <laughs> and you're a little faceless <laughs> mouth disc that races <laughs> around. And let's see, the first season was 26 episodes. Oh, That's boy. a lot to ask. I think I writers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. How 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 often could they do this? At least it wasn't based in the 50s like Qbert. <laughs> I, 
I would say my favorite part of this show is I love Pac-Man's voice, Marty Ingalls. I freaking love his voice. Well, apparently they did too because they brought him out to meet all the kids, just like Frank Welker. He is sitting, he is sweating up a storm, sitting in the (laughs) middle of all these children. He looks very um, scared to be there (laughs) as though they are all going to (laughs) reach in and rip him apart into little actor McNuggets. But let's hear a little (laughs) bit of uh, his interaction with everyone. Can you turn it up a little bit? Is it difficult to be the voice of Pac-Man? No, no. I mean, I have a special kind of a sound here, which has been traveling with me my whole life. But uh, <laughs> it is. No, no. It's matter. I can even teach you all how to do it. I mean, the voice of Pac-Man, which everyone will know and see and follow. There are two things you have to do. Okay? I just realized. So this guy has a big honking mustache, big black mustache. His sweaty, curly hair. He's wearing a members-only jacket. This is the guy who you would want to have travel through time to play Mario in a Mario live action show. <laughs> okay. First, you have to put Absolutely. on the Pac-Man gear. Okay? okay. Everybody reaches in you all, to their pockets and everyone has little spoiny Take a look at that, Pac-Man. see? 44-year-old man making a goon out of himself. <laughs> what do I tell my... And then what? Then and what? Then, and then, okay, men. Okay, repeat after <laughs> me, watch my lips, and you say... The Pac-Man sound, these poignant, eloquent words with your fingers, and you go. Waka, 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 and it's you know very um, blue collar voice. I just love it. And I love his voice on Pac Man. I love that his wife's name is Pepper because it sounds great with his voice. Pepper, Pepper. I'm doing a horrible version of it. Marty, Pepper, Pepper, Marty. Yeah, I'm Pac Man. No, it's oh. your kids. They're ghosts. Pepper, Mesmeron. <laughs> um. Yeah, and also I just I liked Pac-Man. I liked. The, did you ever play the um, board game for Pac-Man? No, but I do love that there was an era where they couldn't figure out how to make home versions of the video games fast enough, so they made board games of the video game. Yes. It's very adorable, and I remember loving it. it. Had all these marbles, and you would have to move the Pac-Man around, and as you moved this big plastic Pac-Man around, it would pick up the marbles, and it was tons of fun. I loved it. <laughs> Nothing Loved but good it. feelings when it comes to Pac-Man. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of like, they, they've done everything they can do. That was the biggest thrill you could give an audience was give them a taste of the Pac-Man show. So Dick Clark pretty much just like throws his hands in the air and goes, I've given you everything I have. <laughs> you know, there's one show that they just casually kind of mention that's coming up. Hmm in the next year they don't show any clips or talk to the voice actor or anything and it's uh Richie Rich. Yes, I believe that in the second season it was the Richie Rich Pac-Man show and then it oh, transferred really? to the Pac-Man Rubik's Cube show. Yes, Rubik's Cube. Rubik was a uh, <laughs> If you think that it was difficult to make a show about Pac-Man, imagine somebody putting a Rubik's Cube on your desk and saying, make an animated show about this. 
50 episodes, please. And so they turned and Rubik we, into a magical alien. And we want this cube to talk. So yeah. you better get this right. <laughs> yeah. Pay respect I remember to they the used character. To, there's this, there was this little underground um, uh, rental store on campus, down at Ohio State campus in Columbus. And they used to have, um, DVDs were the big one. Their Blu-rays weren't really happening yet. This was like, you know, 2000s and um, the uh, late 90s, 2000s. And they they had a VHS section still, which was still Wiley's, but they had all kinds of weird VHS tapes in there. And they had um, the a VHS tape of Rubik the Magic Cube mm-hmm. or whatever it was called. And I got, I definitely got that. I definitely rented that one. <laughs> and thank you, thank you for that great story <laughs> I just told Nathan. <laughs> and I will be thanking me later tonight for it too. <laughs> but that's just, I just, it, it's such a insane. Look up it's clips online bizarre. of it. It's, it's crazy. It's very bizarre. The voice is very bizarre that they gave him. I mean, he really just looks like a, a boglin sticking out of a Rubik's cube. <laughs> Um, now we may have not sounded too enthused about the, the things advertised on this special and you may be right, but I got excited because apparently Nathan got very excited for one commercial break that led him (laughs) to various discoveries. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, I think it was a commercial for local baseball, uh, coverage, Mm. like from a news report. Um, but they played a song that I totally remember, but did not remember until I heard it in this thing, uh, which was a song called Talkin' Baseball. Yeah. And um, there, there, I don't know if it still happens these days, but there was an era in the 80s. I mean, novelty music was always has always been a thing, but novelty music um, definitely back in the 80s and 70s and 60s, they would play these songs just on normal radio as well. Like, especially if they were hits and, but they would play them like whenever something's happening. I remember, you remember all the Cleveland ones that the local people would write like about the Cleveland Browns. Bernie, Bernie. Whoa. How he can throw. (laughs) Throw. Yeah. And also, uh, the bad, bad Cleveland Browns, baddest football team around. Yeah. yeah. So all that great stuff. But the, this wasn't actually, actually a, nationally released song by a guy named Terry Cashman. Yeah. Um, and it was a hit in 1981, though it is well-recognized today, though it it was not always played on the Top 40 radio, um, but it did get onto the Billboard charts. And let's hear a little bit of that. And the song is titled Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, Talking well, no, Baseball. The song's, yeah, Talking Baseball. Yeah, 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 gotcha. <laughs> I'll explain that. Zuski Campanella, Talking Baseball. Man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Eat your heart so, out, Harry Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah, the song is called Talking Baseball, and then in parentheses, what you said, which was Willie. And the the thing about that, the 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 thing, the funny thing about that, is that he has since gone on to become the 
he created his own genre of music. Basically, that's just baseball rock, baseball folk. It's just, he just has like endless amounts of music where he's just singing about baseball. Most of it is him just rhyming the names of baseball players and teams. And it's just, he's like basically just wrote a list out of things and put it into a rhyming pattern. So I'm looking at his picture right now. It looks like if you mushed Louis C.K. and Art Garfunkel together. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so talking baseball parentheses, Willie Mickey and the Duke that he has since gone on to write multiple versions of this exact same song, but they're just different parentheses. So it'll be like talking baseball, the New York Mets, 1981 talking baseball, Seattle Mariners. I'm seeing uh, (laughs) talking Phillies. Do we want to hear some of that? (laughs) It's the same song. Just get ready. Let's see. The Wiz kids had won it. Dick Sisler had done it for the first (laughs) time since Grover led the way. Chuck Klein was in between, but most of the years were lean. In 1950, Philadelphia had its day. I'm talking baseball. Robertson, Constanti, Phillies, baseball. Ashburn, Dylan, Granny. When O'Doole was here, he really hit the pill. Cy Williams is he remembered still. Okay. I gotta say, this is genius, especially back then pre-internet when you could just fool a city into thinking that they were the only one who had this written for yes yeah so so he he has a ton of these but then he also just has like three or four albums and maybe more he has an actually a best of baseball songs and it is just like once like some songs are about like the old days um yeah of, of like why can we go back to the old days of baseball and then other songs are about like there's one song that's like about Ichiro because he did a whole like Seattle Mariners CD. And so that that uh, Japanese baseball player Ichiro who came over here and, you know, was the Japanese phenom, he, he did a song about him and it's like this rock song about him. <laughs> Which, if you can find that, play a clip of that because that's amazing. <laughs> Terry Cashman, Ichiro. And then he does like he does a cover of Center Field by John Fogerty. Uh very like kind of Terry Cashman esque version of that song. And yeah, he's just he's just going and going. He he's Can you spell Ichiro for me, please? I C H I R O. And the thing about it is I have to say that when I heard this song, uh talking baseball, it I like this freaking song. I like the music. I don't care about baseball, but this style of music, this like do 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 that kind of music is like I don't know, maybe it's nostalgic or something. You're still looking this up, aren't you? <laughs> I don't think that spelling is if or or he Terry Cashman has just not put the song up on YouTube. He also I see uh did the parody version in The Simpsons talking softball. Yes. The power plant had won it With Roger Clemens clucking all the while <laughs> Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile We're talking softball From Maine 
to San Diego talking softball. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so he also did a song about uh, some baseball player named Manny for the Do- Brooklyn Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's a famous person and baseball fans are just saying you're, you're insane for not knowing Manny Ramirez or something probably. Uh, <laughs> but he, the song's called Manny Being the Man. Okay. <laughs> and it's just wild. Like then he has a little, a, there's like a page for the record label that puts all this stuff out and you can hear other bands on there. Um, there's one a band called 99 Power who, who wrote a song about the freaking Occupy Wall Street. Um, he wrote a song about nine eleven. It's it's just if a wild. Only he had of, any of these queued up. Can you imagine <laughs> know, how right? good that would be. Well, I didn't expect to play his entire discography on <laughs> well, here. I thought we're we were talk about this. I want to hear these. I'm not finding these on YouTube either. <laughs> I think I think the Ichiro one I found on iTunes. So oh okay. Um, I want to hear Apple this nine eleven song though. <laughs> Ninety nine power. Oh, no, we're that one is nine eleven. <laughs> Well, Bin Laden had really done it. He blew those things to sun it. <laughs> that one's more of a ballad. You know, that one's more of a soft one. But, but anyways, I, I really... We're talking inside um, job. I've never seen steel melt that way. Talking inside job. Looks like an implosion. It's clear that... It's clear that whoever this label... The other person on the label, too, is definitely in... You know, it seems to be supportive of like the Occupy Wall Street thing or whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's just fun. Look him up, Terry Cashman, and you can hear all these songs. If you're a baseball fan, you might even get what's going on <laughs> in these songs. You might even <laughs> learn a thing or two. <laughs> or two. This is like your schoolhouse really, rock. But it is really him just singing the same songs over and over again, but with different lists of people's you know different baseball players and stuff yeah god that's great so it's it's really hard to kind of uh bilk a city that way anymore you know everyone just talks to each other too much i don't care for it Uh oh there's a song parody taking steroids (laughs) (laughs) from Uh, him oh no definitely not he would never sully his his cash cow like that Wow, this is this is I'm I'm know what I'm gonna be doing all night tonight. I sometimes I spent oh, I found I, I found the Ichiro song. If you'd like to hear it, send it to me. Uh, I will. I'm gonna do it in the um in the Facebook chat. I don't know what you're on, but in the Facebook anyways, chat. Yeah. No, it's the one thing. Or I'll send it on. to your Gmail. Gmail. Okay, it's on your Gmail. Okay. Uh, sorry, everyone. Pay attention. We are just loading up this song. <laughs> If you have a request, call in. Go ahead and call in. <laughs> and just play it straight from the thing. And, um, yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Network Special. This is the Ichiro song. Man, he's like a hitting machine. Smashing the ball into smithereens. <laughs> Look at him run. Look uh, at him Remember, throw. if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, follow us on all the social media stuff. We're on Instagram. We're on uh, TikTok, we're on Facebook, Network, we're on all that stuff. Networkspecialpodcast.com. Yeah. You can go there and find everything. You can find everything. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Remember to watch baseball nonstop. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
They love him in Seattle as well as Tokyo And they're calling out his name, his name is Ichiro